Hello, Texans. Great to have you aboard. It is fun time in Houston because it's December and the Texans are 7-5 and five and on a playoff hunt here with the Jets and the Crosshairs Sunday at noon. Cannot wait. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And Johnny's got Texans match up a little bit later on tonight. That is going to be awesome. 8 o'clock start on the flagship Sports Radio 610 for a program that you need to be listening to. It's also going to be available via podcast right afterwards. So check it out. All the hits from Sunday, the latest down of the wire, dramatic win <laughs> over the Denver Broncos. And on that day, Johnny, and by the way, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. What do you think is number one in the Ultimate 11 matchup? What do you think? It's going to be Jimmy Ward. It's got to be. <sighs> Dang it. I didn't want to yeah. be predictable. Look, this is pretty easy to predict. I didn't want to be like, predictable. Uh, we've got Taylor Swift coming to the show <laughs> and who else? You know, some good acts, know, but you know it's going to be Taylor. Yeah. And that was the Taylor Swift of that particular day. And there were some other great hits that day as well. Uh, also on that day, we learned that the Tax Act Texas Bowl would feature Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. And the executive director of the Tax Act Texas Bowl is here with us now, David Fletcher. How about that? And, Johnny, you get to visit with Fletch a lot. I do. But I do, I do not. Right. So let's have at it now. Welcome, David. How are you doing? It is wonderful to see you guys. Mark, yeah. I didn't even recognize you. <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. How about that? You, he shows up every hey, once in a he while. He wanted no. to hit you with all the hard-hitting questions. He thinks that I go soft on you in yeah. some sense. So he wanted all the hard-hitting questions. How well, dare you? I know. Uh, <laughs> Look, we're excited about this because I think when you can get two fan bases like this together, and I know, I think Oklahoma State's having a visit today, right? This is very cool in the building, checking out the digs here at NRG Stadium. This is so cool to have these two squads match up here. Yeah, look, it, it, look, this is uh, an event every year that um, we're so proud to be able to bring to Houston. Uh, college football uh, ingrained in the culture here, um, and obviously um, big year for the college football world with the national championship game here. Uh, come January twenty, uh, January eighth, but mm -hmm. December twenty seventh, we we kick off a massive stretch of football here with the Tax Act Texas Bowl, and what better way to do that than with two of the best in the business, uh, two of the biggest brands, uh, two incredible fan bases, and uh, should be a very high powered and uh, fun night of football as Texas A and M takes on twentieth ranked Oklahoma State. Fletch, were you watching Saturday? You and I talked about this. Saturday championship weekend, as you see the whole thing unfold. In fact, I know you got a call about halftime of the game that you were in Atlanta um, from a buddy of ours who was wanting some information about some stuff. <laughs> so we know you were, you were in Atlanta watching that particular game. As you're watching that Georgia-Alabama game, did you have any thought of how it could impact what could happen in the game? Obviously, Alabama wins. Okay, does that change things on the SEC side, you know, Texas winning in the way that it did. Okay, does that put them in a playoff? Kind of how did Saturday's championship weekend have any impact on the game, if at all? Well, I think I think we certainly looked earlier in the day at uh, the Big 12 championship, and we're very excited that, um, you know, obviously they wanted to win that game, but Oklahoma State playing in that was a really big opportunity. We knew that um, they had a great season. We yep. knew that they had an incredible offense led by – Big 12 Player of the Year, uh, Ollie Gordon. We yep. knew that they had um, a, a turnaround, if you will, uh, from the start of their season, led by their Big 12 Head Coach of the Year and Mike Gundy. Yeah. Um, and we we really, um, you know, they, they played a very uh, a very hard fought game against a really talented University of Texas squad that uh, ultimately um, 
won the Big 12 and got a chance to to play in the in the final four. So um their their loss was our gain right. in that instance getting a chance to host um you know a team like Oklahoma State, huge fan base, geographically relevant, great history and and uh, a ranked team, you know, obviously they were a little down on that, but when you see what they have on the other side playing against Texas A&M, that rivalry comes back from their yep. Big 12 days and so, um, you know, watching the Big 12 game certainly mattered. Oklahoma State, um, our, our choice. A&M, you know, look, at the end of the day, we don't have a selection on the SEC right, side. Right. We are part of the pool that the conference has where they select the partners. Um, I think based on a lot of factors, you know, Texas A&M um, makes a lot of sense to be here, and we're very excited about that. Um, they're going through a transition, and the opportunity to be here in, in Houston to really launch the new phase of Aggie football I think it's something that will benefit everybody around this. So, um, you know, we, we always keep an eye on those games. They matter, and, and they do impact bowl season. And for us, you know, um, we knew Big 12 SEC, where we sit in the pecking order, what this community has done to support this game. We knew we'd have a great matchup, and fortunately it, it was exactly that when it was announced on Sunday. Yep. Well, it's interesting because it's not the first time you've had a team in the bowl that's going through the coaching transition, right? right. And the game is really the 2024 start. Right. It's the start of the 2024 season. It caps off the season. But for those squads, those players, the fan bases want to see, all right, who's going to really shine for us in the future? And let's start tonight on December 27th. Is that kind of how you see it and how they see it? No, no question. No, no doubt. This is a game in particular that that exact thing happens. The last five years, we've had a team from our game in this year that the next year played in the New Year's Sixth most of those won conference championships. Mm -hmm. So it is the starting point for both of these programs. I said it I said it earlier today when Oklahoma State was here, you know, and all everybody in the room acknowledged it. Hey, you had a great season. This is your reward, but this is your opportunity to start on the right note mm -hmm. for 2024 and get a chance to be in Atlanta uh instead of in Houston. I've had to use that phrase a lot over the course yeah. of this season because we have two major games here and everybody wanted to be in the second one. But mm. but if you look at it the right way, and both of these institutions and, and their administrations are, this is the launch for next year. Mm -hmm. A, can we kidnap Ollie Gordon after his game and keep him here for the last three or four games of the Texans season? Can we do that? Um, and B, what's your all thoughts about with the college football playoff championship being here? I don't want to say did the committee get it right because I think everybody looks at it kind of different, but your thoughts about the final four, Texas being number three amongst them. Well, I'd say that uh, obviously um, that, that's not an easy position to be in. It's so a, wait a second, you're accepting the fact that Ollie Gordon can be kidnapped and kept oh, here. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, sure, sure. No okay. problem. Um, we'd love, we'd love Talk to, to Nick. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get Ollie Gordon here. All right. Um, but, but as it relates to the college football playoff and, and the semifinal pairings, uh, look, it uh, – Everybody could see that this year was, as the, as we got to the end of the season, was an in, unprecedented year. Incredible amount of parity at the elite, at the absolute top of the of the rankings. Um, some great teams were going to be left home, uh, mm -hmm. and and as we look towards the expansion of the playoff next year, really even points more to why that will be great for the game overall. Um, at the end of the day, they did get the four best teams in because they got the four best teams in, yep. you know, and that's, that's what the job of the committee was. You absolutely hate it for, for Florida state and, and even to, to a degree to Georgia, I mean, and, and Ohio state who, who lost very yeah. close games at the very end and had very successful seasons. And that's what the, the, the bowl season does to reward those teams is give an opportunity 
um, for, for a season well done, to play one more game, to get those one last game for the seniors, um, to get your team ready for the next run the next year. Um, so, you know, it, while it, it ultimately is, um, is, a, is a very heartbreaking process every year, this year was was certainly tough to watch, but no question they they put the four best teams in, and yep. I think as as hosts in this community of of that game, uh, the championship game this year, um, you just look at the four that are are there, uh, four incredible brands, uh, four massive fan bases, mm-hmm. uh, three of those, um, you know, Washington, Texas, and Michigan have been on the cusp for a while, but not really tasted it, right? Um, and so, and then Alabama is 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 clearly um, one of the the elite programs, if not the elite program in all the sports. So you have four teams that um, will have four energized bases, and that for for our community here in Houston is just awesome to see when when you think about the possibilities yep. come January eighth. Absolutely. Are we ready to talk about the other kind of football this summer at NRG Stadium? We we we, we talk about football tw- three three sixty five twenty four seven right. But football, regardless of David. how you spell it, right? <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Regardless, of how you spell it. yeah. We we had we had a great um, we, we had a great day yesterday on that front too. Mm-hmm. No question. Um, uh, obviously, Houston has already been celebrated with so many great. Soccer events over the years. We are a FIFA World Cup host venue uh, in 2026. But yesterday's announcement you're alluding to, Mark, uh, Copa America, uh, the largest soccer event in this region, happens only every two years, is only played in the United States for the second time in 108 years. Mm-hmm. And that second time will be next summer, and, and NRG Stadium uh, will be rocking with three events as part of that um, just a huge, huge, huge international win for our community. Um, an opportunity on those three dates. We'll open up with the Mexican national team back here uh, at their home away from home uh, here in the United States. Um, they will open their tournament here on June 22nd. Uh, we'll have another group stage match on on June 24th. And that will be determined later this week um, as, they, as they do the tournament draw. And then fireworks here on the 4th of July. If the chalk holds, um, we have the host of Argentina's group. The, the, the host We will host the winner of Argentina's group versus the runner-up of Mexico's group in the first quarterfinal Jeez. of the tournament. That does open up the door for the possibility for the FIFA World Cup champion Argentinian team to be here. And they are led by none other than Lionel Messi, who uh, last played here in 2016 in Copa America, the last time it was played in the U.S., and beat the United States 4-0 in the semifinals. So a really spectacular series of events for us. Massive, massive win for our community. And just another example of why this venue, NRG Park here, NRG Stadium in Houston, is is one of the best destinations for events in the world. And... Fletch, Texas, Texas Bowl is always the best. The game itself, but the events that go around it. What do we got concert-wise? I know you kind of teased a little bit of the concert stuff last week. What do we got kind of concert-wise, event-wise? Rodeo Bowl's got to be happening again, and you got a team called the Cowboys, so they better do pretty well in this whole thing, <laughs> you would think. Events with the Texas, Texas Bowl, looking forward to these. Well, you make a great point, Johnny. The the, the the, the bowl game itself is much more than just a, an event. Um, obviously, a huge impact on our hospitality community, a great opportunity for them to showcase themselves the best in the world, in my opinion. Um, you've got uh, a wonderful charity in Depelchin Children's Center that benefits from all the activities around the event, and, and we're really proud of the $2.5 million to date that um, we've provided it and, and millions of dollars more in, 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 uh, in promotional uh, exposure and experiences for the, for the families there. 
Uh, the teams are super excited about being able to give back while they're here. So we've got some really cool events um, that help um, help and ingrain them into our community further around Depelchin. And then, yeah, let's have some fun while we're doing it. Our Carbach kickoff concert will be Tuesday night downtown at the Rustic. Texas music legend Roger Kreger going to headline. Um, we'll have the Magnolia Brothers here as well to open up. But um, that is a free fan event that anybody wow. uh, wants to can come down to. We've packed the house the last several years. It's a really a great way to kick it off. We've got pep rallies with the bands. Uh, I'm sorry, pep rallies with the schools. Great live Texas music. And all you got to do is it is free, but you do have to get your ticket. TaxActTexasBowl.com. That's where you can get your free kickoff concert ticket and get your game tickets for game day the next day. Out here on, on the NRG Park grounds come game day. We'll open up at 4 o'clock. Tailgating will be off the charts, just like it is for every other Texans game here. Live music from Braxton Keith starting at 6 o'clock. You'll have food, drink, spirit everywhere around the stadium, and just another really cool celebration of the culture, heritage, and football tradition of the Lone Star State that is the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Tickets. Copa America. And the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Yeah, so lsse.net will get you information on both events. Tax Act Texas Bowl specifically. Get your game tickets. Get everything around Bowl Week events. Um, should be a lot of fun with these two events for for our our universe here at Lone Star Sports Entertainment, which is um, part of the big part of the Texans family. You know, these are really important events that help us extend beyond um, our reach in the community and our reach, you know, uh, around the country outside of what we do at the Texans, but it's even more fun that we get to do it around a playoff caliber team that we've got playing on the field right now and a big week for the Texans around all of yeah. the Tax Act, Texas Bowl activities. Home on Sunday versus Cleveland on the 24th. Tax Act, Texas Bowl on Wednesday. Home on, on, on uh, Sunday the 31st uh, against Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And um, a week and change later the national championship game. Well, for the staff that works all these games, Steve Smith used to say ice up. I yeah. say rest up. <laughs> Get ready. Up. Yes. Get ready. It's going <laughs> to rock NRG Stadium. David, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. David Fletcher, executive director of the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Coming up, Johnny and I, gut reaction to goings-on around the league, including last night in Jacksonville. Wow. It's Texans Radio. Right back to it here on Texans Radio. Let's get to some gut reaction, Johnny Harris, as I'll throw this one at you first. What is your gut reaction to what you saw last night? Trevor Lawrence getting injured. Am I? Is this real life? Am I seeing this? Like, this can't be happening. I'll be honest. I did not want to see it happen. I really I really didn't. Um, I just, I hate when teams, I mean, obviously, we just went through a tank. I hate when teams lose their guys. Yeah. I just hate it. Especially a guy like Trevor. You know, there's there's bad guys in this league that I couldn't care less about. Trevor's a good dude. Like, he's... Yeah. He, I think he's good for the AFC South. I think he's good for the NFL. I, I think he's good for Jacksonville, for sure. I just hated seeing him go down. But then your mind just starts racing. Like, okay, ooh, what is it? Mm -hmm. He threw his helmet. I was like, ooh, boy, this could not be good. And then they showed him in the hallway walking. Like... Where was, the, where was the cart driver? I what was are you the, doing? The whole world was thinking the same thing. And I don't know if we've gotten an answer. Maybe Doug Peterson addressed it today. I'm not sure. But I would have asked if I was a media member there in Jacksonville covering that team and not affiliated with them. Because, and believe me, if that had happened here, I would be wondering the same thing. Why is so-and-so being the walked all the way to the locker room? And the walk there 
to the it's Jags long. locker room is longer it's than the long. walk to the Texans locker room here yep. at NRG Stadium. That's correct. And we've been there. We've been down that hallway many a time. And I thought, geez, there's nothing for him in the hallway even. Put him in a wheelchair, anything to make it easier for him. But his reaction looked yeah. bad. And that's how you know very often with these things. And the player's reaction, oh, my gosh, people start taking a yep. knee or whatever. How about who was the Bengal who took a knee right after the situation? He, he helped them up, then took a knee. It may have been Hendrickson. I can't remember. Yeah, Hendrickson, Hendrickson was the one who was rushed. Yeah. I, look, that was awful to see. I'm with you, Johnny. I Look, I'm competitive. I sports hate everybody the Texans play. But even Watson, it's not like I want people to get hurt. I would just prefer they played badly. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm good and with that. And the Texans win. I'm good with that. I mean, this is such a it's such a tough sport. You just hate to see anybody get hurt. But – I think getting buried in all of that is the fact that Christian Kirk could be out for the rest of the year. That's big for me. Think about what he did to us. And it was like, Oh, he's out. That's big. That's huge. Cause I do think they'll get Trevor back, but Mm. high ankle sprains are not like, eh, you know, tape it up. Let's go. Yeah. They're going to have to lose a lot of games. If the Texans are going to have to, or going to win this division, Well, the next two at Cleveland Mm -hmm. home Ravens. These are tough. These are really tough. And he's got the high ankle sprain. I don't know about this. These are really difficult games, and if they lose both of them, let's just say they lose both of those. Mm-hmm. But you got to continue to win. I mean, and that's the yeah, bottom yeah. line with all this wild card division, any kind of postseason no participation. Just win, baby. Right. I don't know what the record needs to be: four and one, five and zero, oh, three and two. I don't know what because it all depends on what the other teams do. You start losing. Uh, let's just put it this way: you win out, you're getting in because you'll knock off Cleveland, knock off the Colts, you'll be in. You win and you're in. But that's a lot to ask for: five and zero oh in these last five. That would mean six in a row on the way out of the regular season. So let's say you go four and one. Now you have to lose the right one and the other people have to lose one or whatever the case may be. So it gets thrown to another equation. You just have to win. Just win Sunday. We'll worry about it later. The non-negotiables. Yeah. You must win the three division games. If you have any designs on winning the division. Oh, of course. You have to because the Jags are four and two in division. They're four and one in the division. Yeah. 4-1, 4-1, 4-1, and, one, four and, one, and they got a game with the Titans. Yeah, that's it. That's all they got left. That's all the they Titans. have left. It's the, the Titans. We're done, Titans. Right. So you got to win yours and hope the Titans beat them just to get both to 4-2 and two in the division because that's mm. the next tiebreaker, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Those, that's your non-negotiable. Yeah. You've got to win those three division games. Now, if you win those three division games, let's just say that's just what you win. Now you're 10-6. and six. Ten and six has gotten in what ninety five percent of the time over the last how many ever years? Well, ten and uh, ten seven. I mean, seven. ten seven. Yeah. yeah, ten and seven gets you, you. You would think it gets you in, but it, well, it's got to be being, the right ten and seven. Well, I, absolutely, it's got to be the right ten and seven. And so at that point, you're like, man, okay. Um, I hate to say it, but if you could lose a couple of games, mm-hmm. the ones you could lose are the Titans. Well, you, you can't lose to the Colts. Yeah, you can't lose right, to the Colts. Let's just take these teams. Absolutely zero. I mean, here we are. It's Tuesday. Browns, Colts. Let's have some fun here. You got to have those two. You tell me the level, and I don't know how you want to measure this, but the level of done or not done these particular teams are. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-5, and five, Johnny. Kenny Pickett 
is hurt. So they've got mm. Trubisky, who's been to the playoffs before, but there's a reason why he's not starting in Pittsburgh because it's not like Pickett is number one overall pick and we really got to see what we want. They want to win. The Steelers always want to yep. win. They're not interested in rebuild and all that mm -hmm. other stuff. Uh, yeah, they want to see if Pickett can play but, and they want to develop him. But if Trubisky were that much better, he would be starting right now. So they got to go play the Patriots. At home. Ugh, ugly. At the Colts, Bengals at home, at Seattle, and at Baltimore to close it out. The Ravens will probably really need that one. They might be gunning to clinch the number one seed on January 7th. How done or not done are the Steelers? You know, I get these biscuits from HEB, and they're <laughs> awesome. They're really, really good. And they have a, a cooking time of 425. Yeah. And you got to put it for 15 to 18 minutes. But these things are finicky. So the oven's at 425 for 15 Oven's at 425, so what it's ends up happening... It's a big difference between 15 and 18. I know. And so I've learned the hard way. I feel like the Steelers are the biscuits at 18 minutes. Uh. They're getting really tough on the on the bottom, like <laughs> almost to a point of... Almost to a point of... I, can't I don't know. Them. They're inedible. I don't know. You know, yeah. in 15 minutes, they're yeah. not, it's not quite done. It's a, it's, I'm not going to say it's still a little bit frozen, mm. but... They have they have a they have a sweet spot because that schedule you just mentioned, Patriots should win that at home. Mm -hmm. That's Thursday. That's Thursday night at Indy. Ooh, it's tough. Yeah, Cincinnati now looks like it's formidable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At Seattle. Yeah, and and you know and and then at Baltimore and again some of these games. You know, what's Seattle playing for? You know, is Seattle still in this thing? Is Seattle still in the mix? By you the know? time you get there, yeah. What about the Ravens? Do they have it clinched? Where week 18 doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, we've seen that here um, a couple of times, you know, with the Titans in 19 in particular. You know, A.J. McCarron's running the game, and the Titans have got to have it. And then the whole world went crazy when they won the game by a touchdown against our JV squad. So is that the, the Ravens have the JV squad going. Now it's at Baltimore, and I know how that ri rivalry goes. And I would imagine it's going to stay close throughout. But this is also kind of separation time for some of these teams. You, it starts to happen now. Eight and four, nine, you know, nine and three, somebody stays hot, goes to 13 and three, thir 13 and four, something like that. Yeah. But there are so many teams in the AFC that are just knocking one another off that how many teams are within, like, we're the eighth spot right now at seven and five. Yeah. And we're, what, two games away from the, from the Ravens? Oh, yeah. In the A spot? I mean, so it's all jumbled up. So these next five weeks, so you start looking at comparable schedules. These guys, the Steelers to me, are the HEB biscuits at around minute 17 and a half, 18, okay. where they're really almost inedible. This is going to be tough. You tell me about the Cleveland Browns now, because the Cleveland Browns are also 7 and 5, and here's okay. their schedule down the stretch. Yep. Jacksonville at home with uh, well, Bathurst at quarterback. Right. I'm going to think that's the case. Yep. Then the Bears at home, at Texans Christmas Eve, Jets at home, at the Bengals. This looks like that. interesting for the Cleveland Browns. They are far from done. I think they're they're less uh, inedible than the That's Steelers biscuits. That's correct. And Cleveland might have to sign Bernie Kosar to play quarterback at this point, but they, for some reason, are able to hang in there now. They've lost back-to-back -back games, Broncos, Rams. Now they get the Jags at home. I got a feeling they get right in the next couple of games. But here, we've got a little something waiting for them here Christmas Eve. A little okay. coal in yeah, the stocking. Yeah, yeah. But they can still win 9-10, that kind of thing. Does that get them in? This is an even more important question, though. Yeah. On Sunday, who are we cheering for, Jags or Browns? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, I've thought this one backwards and forwards. Listen, I, I and just, after last night, I kind of feel like I want the Browns to win now. You you want to see the Jags just get totally damaged? Just ja Jags totally demolished. All right, so let's say you win this weekend, the Jags lose. Now you're tied with them. Right, right. right. Now you're tied with them, but they have the division record. So you've got to sweep your way out, and they yeah. need to still lose to Tennessee or lose an additional game so they get behind you in the divisional standings. And then you have to win out. Because you will not win a tiebreaker with them, no way, no how, unless you win out and they lose to the Titans. I, I don't think that's happening. I, I don't just, think they're losing to Tennessee. I just feel like after last night. They could lose to anybody. I feel like after last night, even if Trevor is back with a high ankle sprain, yeah, Christian Kirk is not. Oh, by the way, those Trevor and Kirk aren't the only two. Walker Little's banked up. Tyson yeah. Campbell is still banged up, even though he oh, played yeah. last night. Yeah. They've got about seven, eight guys that got banged up ETN's in that game. banged up, too. And the Jags are on a short week and Ooh. have to travel to play. They the, have to travel to play the Jag uh, to play the Browns. Oh, the Browns, yeah. I might just take dude, take the L. Maybe, maybe the Jags are like, oh, we just have to go back and beat the Ravens Ooh. at home. Well, they beat the Ravens last year. Yeah. The Ravens have got number one seed possibilities in front of them. It's so funny. These who do you root for decisions? It's I, la I labor over these as if it has an impact on the outcome. <laughs> who should I root for? Because this re is <laughs> really true. going to affect no, things. It's true. I feel that way. It's and very it's true. It's so not true. Just let it all unfold. Last night, I thought, all right, Jags are going to win this game. Yeah. Come on, it's Jake Browning. Come on, what's yeah. going to happen? Really? It, I just wanted. Wanted it to be a close game. Yeah. I wanted it to be a good, entertaining Monday night football game at the very least. And then I thought, hey, the Bengals are kind of hanging around this deal. Mm -hmm. And then when Lawrence got hurt, even before Lawrence got hurt, look, they were up 21-14, the Bengals were, yep. and then they surrendered two touchdowns. And you thought, uh-oh. But they tied the game, and you know the rest of the story. All right, can I we thought get, Browning looked really good He did. He looked night. very, very good. I mean, 32 of 37 or something like that, and he had two drops. He was incredible. Uh, can we get to Darth Vader here? Yeah, go for it. Can we get to the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, all right. So here's was, their schedule. I was definitely resisting, but the done or not done <sighs> and level of done or not done on the Indianapolis Colts, the nemesis is something to deal with. Johnny, I'm going to share two things with you right now okay. before you read their okay. remaining schedule. One, I kind of feel bad for the Jags fans after last night. And uh, I yeah, would, you know me, I would never feel bad for the Titans fan base or the Titans organization right. or the Colts fan base and the Colts organization. There's something about the Jags. I don't know what it is. And I, I shouldn't feel this way, but I thought, uh, it's not like I want them to win, but we know so many nice people who work there and everything. Yeah, I yeah. just thought, Oh, that sucks for them to have a night like that where they lose their quarterback. Cause I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. Certainly not. Agreed. I don't want to invite bad karma into, into my good energy right now with the Houston Texans here in December of 2023. The other thing about this is, and this is rare for me, I feel like the Colts are being disrespected in a lot of the power rankings. Mm -hmm. The Colts have the same record as the Texans. They beat the Texans. Yep. And look, Richardson scored those two early touchdowns in the game. When Gardner Minshew came in that afternoon, I thought, oh, goody, we're going to win this one now. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, we're not? Yeah. And I know things have really played out well for the Texans since then, but the Colts keep on winning, baby. They're in a four-game winning binge right now, and it's a big problem. I hate the horseshoe. 
I think the league needs to take notice here that this is a pretty solid squad with yep. Minshew playing QB and Shane Steichen is doing a pretty decent job coaching this squad. He really has. Um, you know, they win games ten. They won a game ten to six. You know, they well, won the, the other day 31-20. Here, here's the here's the flip side of that, and this is why I feel like maybe the power rankings are on to something a little bit. You know, they beat the Titans. They had to get two block punts to do it. Yeah, they had to get. They had to get a, an extra point okay. miss at the end. Good point. The Patriots had the ball driving for the game-way touchdown until Mac Jones happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Buccaneers, yeah, they were in control of the Buccaneers game for the most part. Yeah, it's but, Carolina. But the Colts beat us here. Yeah. They won at Baltimore. How did that happen? They With won Minshew. at Baltimore. They've swept the Titans. They won at Carolina. Mm. They won in Germany. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just – so here's their schedule. Their game Sunday just got a little bit more difficult at Cincinnati. Yeah. Browning. Thankfully. At home. Thankfully. So that, fan Browning. that fan base will be jacked up. They have up. to be. They have to be. To end another to end a, a winning streak, a four-game winning streak, Bengals at at Bengals. Then play on a Saturday at home against the Steelers, which is always going to be tough no matter what. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the uh the terrible towel people will go in there and take over that stadium. Oh yeah, they will. Christmas Eve day. At Falcons. Yeah. Falcons play a little bit better. They got a lot to play for. Oh, no. That's a tough place to go. That's going to be a tougher home, one for yeah, them sure. than people think. Uh, New Year's Eve. At home against the Raiders. You never know. You're right. You, you never know. You, yeah. you absolutely never know with the Raiders. Yeah. And then, obviously, January 7th, the showdown. Uh, the big with, one. The big one against us, which is going to be really, really <laughs> going to be so you interesting, know I'm man. Oh. So interesting. I... I, there's almost there's almost a, almost almost a part of me that wants to just fast forward <laughs> to, to week day. 18 and let's just let's just go to that day and see where everybody is <laughs> and what it means what does a win mean that day my hope is that a win means nothing that we're already in oh and it's over and it's like mail you know, in you know that is my my secret desire maybe not so yeah. secret because i'm right. on the air right now but that is my desire. You get to that game, and it's Davis Mills starting. It is have a nice day. Absolutely, don't get hurt. We're gonna play this one out. Give CJ's everybody else a ball cap the whole yeah, day. The whole day. Don't even set foot on the field. Let's go. Yep. I don't think. Do you think that Miko would play everybody? No, he wouldn't. He would sit everybody. Down. I think it, would, if it's quote meaningless. Yeah, if it's meaningless. Yeah, it's hard though with the forty-eight man, forty-seven. There's only so much you can do. Right. You have to essentially make a list and say, okay, these guys are not playing at all. Right. Eight guys. We need them at all. Yeah. Um, make them inactive. These yep. eight guys inactive, not even playing. This next eight. This next group of eight. They're gonna play sporadically. They're gonna play a little bit. But I think it also depends on, you know, where are the Texans in the, you know, that year against Tennessee? We couldn't change our seat. I mean, there's nothing that could change win or lose. Right. So, okay. What year but was that? If, the 16? 2016? No, 19. 19. 19. Here. Did we need it in 2016 when uh, Savage got no, the we concussion? Didn't, same thing. We didn't need it. We knew but we, we just needed seed. to play Savage because he hadn't played, and exactly. we were trying to get him going. And he had the quarterback exactly sneak right. and got hurt. And was exactly out of the season. Right. Oh, that's why quarterback sneaks give me PTSD. Uh, yeah. That's what I saw. CJ struggling to get up. I was like, not again. Oh, that not again. That. Oh, been all. I would have decreed to never have another one. Uh, yeah, somebody, somebody ever. I mean, whoever the new mayor is would have had Houston law written. By the way, little side note here, Johnny. I'm in favor of all teams, 
I mean, I know this is not something I can control either, but having a Taysom Hill, having a, a Jeff Driscoll, having a yeah. quarterback sneaker, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is our sneaker. designated guy. Now, it can't be a back, a running back. It has to be someone who could conceivably throw the football, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be Dario Gumbawale because he can do anything. All right. Oh, there's a good story coming up uh, on the uh, that they had on the players uh, players huddle show uh, that Dario Gumbawale once took a snap in a game against uh, I can't remember who it was, but for Wisconsin because apparently things kind of went awry mm -hmm. and they needed to spike the ball quickly. Yeah. And for some reason, the quarterback was hurt or out to lunch or whatever, and Dario went up, took the snap, spiked it. I am not surprised at all. I, he's. I, I, he's Mr. Everything. Drew and I were talking about this after the, after uh, the show earlier today, and we were talking about that story. And he said, um, and I said to him, for a guy in Dari that hasn't played, maybe you know, minus special teams, maybe seventy five plays this year. Yeah, I mean, he's been a lot of special teams, but how many impact plays has he had this year? You're falling on the fumble the other day, oh. the hit against Cincinnati, the field goal against Tampa Bay. I mean, he's had some of the most impactful plays of this year, and he's played maybe, maybe 50 plays on offense. There are so many stories like that on this team. Desmond King, this is not I a mean, huge story, but it's a story yeah. that you're playing against huge. this team for the Steelers on a big day in franchise history with J.J. Watt yeah. a huge win for the squad. And then weeks later, you're back on the team right. wearing your old number, making your old energetic plays i love that they put him up in yeah. front of the media yesterday he deserves a lot of accolades and you need him down the stretch here you need yeah. stories like this players like this contributions like this if it's going to be a season like this that ends up in the postseason that's what you want to see yep all right i got another one for you okay now this does not involve a playoff team and we'll get to the jets in a moment but this does not involve a playoff team but you know i'm fascinated with this story the story of the two-victory New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy talking about it. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen here. This, I'm with this squad had one of the greatest runs in the history of sports, really. Look, this is 1927, or I know the 1920s New York Yankees, whatever it was when they won a ton of World Series. I mean, this is as good as it would get for almost any franchise ever. Yeah. You know, when you look at the two decades they had with Belichick and Brady, and now it's now it's all over. And we wonder how the exit is going to be with two and ten being the record headed into Pittsburgh. And then they have the Chiefs at Denver, Buffalo, and the Jets. Maybe there's another win in there somewhere. But Johnny, the fact that they have played three consecutive games holding opponents to ten or less and losing all three, and that's the longest streak of its kind in 85 years. It is amazing ineptitude on offense. And, you know, they have a decent defense. If the offense was worth anything, it yeah. was a middle-of-the-pack offense, they'd be winning some games, and they might even be in this thing in the AFC, which is all clogged up. But what do you think happens? I mean, does it happen right away after the season? Are we going to have to wait a while? Uh, the stories that are going to come out will be incredible. That Apple show that's going to premiere in February <gasps> on the yeah. Patriot Dynasty, oh, I'm yeah. sure that's not done being shot because yeah. they have to add a lot to it. There's a conclusion to be made. What do you think? Here's, uh, it's so funny because I just have no idea. But I thought about this. When you brought up the Patriots, I've been thinking about this for a few days. It's one of the greatest dynasties ever in any sport. 
especially in a salary cap sport. Yeah. That's, you know, baseball not being salary cap. Obviously, there's no luxury tax now and all that. But for a long time, it was who spent more, the Red Sox or the Yankees, or spent more. Who's going to spend more? Well, the Yankees spent more. They're going to win championships. I mean, in a salary cap league to win as much as they did for as long as they did, and then at the end for it to just go this sour. Now, Amazing. maybe maybe Patriots fans are like, no, 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 it's been this way the last couple of years. The last two years is just it's bad. Um, and, and they have been. I mean, uh, but in 21, they made the playoffs. Right. And then last year was... But they all thought, okay, well, look, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia were our co-offensive coordinators. Of course we're not going to move the ball. Let's bring back in Billy O, and we'll get going. We knew, we were – this had nothing to do with Bill. Everybody has their thoughts on Bill. This had nothing to do with Bill. There was no way he was going to change and significantly upgrade that offense with the personnel that was there. Yeah. I remember saying that to you when we were, we were flying back from New England. We didn't see their number ones, but I just remember thinking as I was kind of you know prepping for the game, like, God, this offense may not be very good, not mm -hmm. good at all. And then as training camp continued and preseason games continued, you'd hear they don't have a number three wide receiver, much less a number one or a number two. The offensive line, is that going to hold up? Mac Jones, is he any good? I mean, like all those questions really started popping up, and people were like, I don't know. This doesn't look that what good. What was the plan? Was the plan that coaching was going to make that much of a That's difference? That's exactly my point. Is like I they could only expect so much. But I just don't I don't remember a dynasty. Now, there is a dynasty, but there's a huge difference. The Bulls dynasty, all of a sudden, they went from championship in 98 to they are Cellar dwellers in 99. But everybody left, right? All right. Everybody left. Yeah. This is not everybody leaving. Well, Brady leaving is a lot. It's a big one. It's Did definitely Phil leave a big right one. away? Yeah. Phil left too, right? Phil, they all left. They all left. They were all gone. Scotty went to Houston. And I mean, they, they, all, were, they all were gone. They got rid yeah, of everybody. They started all over in this, and the Bulls have never gotten back to, to that level yeah. uh, at all. So th that's a little different. This is a dynasty falling off, and the same people are in place. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, obviously you're right, Brady, um, being out a few years ago. But, but they made even the playoffs. Brady, two, they made the playoffs without years, him. Yeah, the playoffs. I went to Jim Mora. The playoffs. Um, th they got to the playoffs without Brady, and Mac Jones was looking like, okay, he could be the future. He could be the guy that the next few years he grows, he grows, he grows. They could be a factor against the Bills. They can be a factor against the Dolphins, and the Jets will be the Jets. Um, but then Mac Jones, at some point. The, uh, last year scarred him, and I don't know that he ever got over it. And because he didn't get over it, I think it's carried through this year, and there were some bad habits and things that he learned last year. And I don't know that, that Bill's the type of coach to get him out of, out of that. And I don't think Mac is a good enough quarterback to pull himself out of that either. So it just, to me, it looked like, and you and I talked about this a lot, to me, in my opinion, it was a recipe for disaster. I mean, it was like it's heading down a bad road and a bad road soon. All right, coming up on the show, Jake Moreland. He played for the Texans, sort of. He practiced with them in the inaugural season. More importantly, he's the current tight ends coach for your Texans. He's next here on Texans Radio. All right, final segment tonight. As promised, this is a good one. A conversation with tight ends coach Jake Moreland. Coach, how's it going? Going well. 
All right. Well, I've been waiting to do this interview for a long time. And <laughs> I, this is true. I know you're I laughing am. and chuckling about this, but this is true. He's been waiting for this. All right. So who is this impression of, hey, see, this is a good tight end. See, hey, see, we're going to sign him. See, as an expansion team. Is that <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. Right, know. It's Charlie Casserly, the man who signed ah, you yes. to play for the Texans. Holy cow. Uh, no, you're back bringing in the up, day. Yeah, you're bringing up some old, old stuff now. Yeah. That's a long time. Well, a lot of people don't know that you were here. You were in the building in 02 before the team started playing. Correct. So you didn't you didn't hit the field against the Cowboys night number one, but you were here as you were winding down your NFL career. That's true. I was here in uh, in 02 and, and um, kind of getting um, – there was guys from all different teams that came in, and then obviously they had the draft and everything with uh, Carr, and um, it was really exciting just to be part of, um, you know, those – inaugural practices and getting mm -hmm. everything going. Jake, you've been around the, the NFL for a while. When you came in here and there's an inaugural team in the first year and everything that's new and everything's new, how different was it from your other NFL experiences because everything was so new here? Well, it's funny because every team that I had been on to that point had been a first-year team. So to me, it wasn't – It wasn't. I mean, I know it was an expansion team right, right. and all those kind of Cleveland. things. Cleveland? For, for just – well, I finished the year in Cleveland. Okay. But it was like, you know, in 2000, it was – Al Gro was a brand-new coach. And then in okay. 2001, I was still with the Jets, but it was Herm Edwards. So it was, again, it was a, a year Ooh. one. Yeah. And then coming down here, it was another year one. So yeah. for me, it was like, oh, this is just kind of how the NFL goes. I keep, <laughs> yeah. I keep going to year one teams. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was really exciting. You know what I mean? And and uh, the, obviously the the juice that was around the city and and everything about just having another yeah. NFL team here. You know, it was just a great experience. Yeah. All right. So I used to be the voice a long time ago of the Central Michigan Chippewas. <clears throat> so I know about the greatest rivalry <laughs> in the history of sports between Central Michigan and Western Michigan, where you went to school and coached for a long time. That's right. Yeah. Huge rivalry. Yeah. Uh, very. I, I think you probably have to grow up in the Midwest, probably be in Michigan, really to understand <laughs> yes. what's going on with that. But fantastic rivalry between those two schools. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had a number of fire up chips in the building besides mm -hmm. Mark and other employees, mm -hmm. and they're always talking about how great Central Michigan is. And then Western Michigan comes in. It is. It's a big rivalry for, for Michigan. But why Western Michigan from Milwaukee, from Wisconsin? What made you choose Western Michigan? It was really the people, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. It was it was outside of football. I kind of knew that football was going to take care of itself, and I met a lot of really great people on campus. Uh, their business program was one of the better ones in the Midwest, and that's what I wanted to major in. And so that was it. Ended up being the deciding factor. Well, you coached there. You coached in the NFL. You you were mixing up your career a little bit, and then you got back into the NFL. The differences between coaching in college and the NFL and the preferences that coaches have, can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. The, I would say that the major difference, and I didn't realize it until I got back into the NFL, is the amount of time that you actually spend in recruiting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know any different. Same thing. I started coaching when my career was over, when my football playing career was over. I started coaching in 03 and had been a coach in college all the way up until 2021. So I didn't know any different. It's just you spend time recruiting, and that part is great. I love the recruiting process, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but when you get to the NFL and you realize the amount of time that you get to spend just focusing on football and technique and the development of your athletes is so much greater than what you get in college because you only get to be around those guys for four hours a day. Mm -hmm. Here, we get these, these guys all day, right? So instead of going to class and studying biology or math or whatever it is, they're studying football. They're studying the defense. They're trying to figure out how to dissect coverages and what blitzes look like. And it's a totally different experience in that. And it's one that's really, really fun. Coach, at that point, is it more rewarding to coach at the college level with 18 to 20-year-old kids and see them do something? Or is it more, maybe not rewarding, but then you're coaching adults. I mean, you could have some guys in your room that end up having kids and have you know, families, whereas 
the, you're coaching 18 to 22 year olds who maybe are getting that high level of football. Um, maybe they didn't get that kind of uh, experience in high school, but they're getting it to college levels. Is it more rewarding with younger kids? Or is it more rewarding with the NFL players to see them do something um, at that level? I think it's um, I think it's rewarding on both ends, and I think that when you're in college football, the opportunity to develop young men. Uh, into people of character was was a huge reason why I wanted to get into coaching. Yeah. And so being around those young people from 18 to 22, 23 years old and trying to have an impact on young males in our country was a huge, huge deal for me. Yeah. The football part was going to take care of itself, but it was really the mentorship that I really grabbed a hold of. Um, and that's why I fell in love with coaching. But you get the same thing here. Yeah. Just because now they're 25, 26, 27, even 30-year-olds, that mentorship doesn't change. Right. Coaching is still teaching. Teaching is still mentorship, and yep. that's how that's how I approach it. Yep. Jake Moreland coaches tight ends for your Houston Texans. Coach, I think tight ends, it's such an interesting group because your receivers, your blockers, your sort of honorary offensive linemen, you're into everything. So it makes it interesting to coach them and multifaceted. It absolutely does. Uh, I think playing the position helps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it definitely helps me because I can share with these guys things that I've seen or that I've experienced, and hopefully that helps them on game day. Uh, but that's one of the fun, funnest parts about being in the tight end room is that we get a chance to do different things week by week. And one of the mantras that, that this room has really embraced is that we're willing to do whatever the offense and the team needs week by week. Some weeks we're going to be asked to catch a bunch of balls and you know extend the field and, and, and really be viable in the pass game. Some weeks we're not going to catch any balls and we're going to be asked to pass protect and we're going to be asked to be more in the run game. And that's fine. Whatever it takes for us to win, we're happy to do it. And you, we've seen a lot of that this year. You know, early on when we had some issues with the offensive line because of some injuries, your guys had to block and pass protection. Then when Laramie comes back, you got a, a few more opportunities. Coach, I've always looked at the tight end as, uh, in the NFL in particular, as when you say tight end, it can mean like five or six different things from what it used to. I mean, you've got Andrew Beck in your room. But he's kind of a fullback. He's kind of an H-back. He could line up a tight end. You got Brevin, who could line up at wide receiver, but he's part tight end. It feels like coaching tight end is kind of fun, too, because you have so many different body types and so many different dudes in that room. That's right. And so um, being able to manage all those body types and being yeah. able to manage you know, the way that those guys see the game and approach the game is obviously very different person to person. You, uh, you brought up Andrew Beck. You know, He's got to know what to do from the backfield. He's got to know what to do as a wide receiver. Right. Same thing with Brevin. Like, all of these guys have – so much talent and they're able to use their talent for whatever we need and right. again that comes down to the, and that's the fun part right. as coaches is trying to figure out how do we take all these guys that have all of these different talents and put it all together so that yep. we have a great product on Sundays yeah all right so outside of the numbers give me two or three of your favorite tight ends to ever play the position Ooh, in oh the man. NFL to ever play I mean it starts with well I have to say that I started my career as a wide receiver, so mm -hmm. my hero growing up was Sterling Sharp. All right, right. all the way yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. day. Sterling, I mean, tough, not Shannon. Tough, isn't it? Not Shannon. Mm -hmm. Now, I say that to say Shannon Sharp became one of my favorite yeah. tight ends yeah, yeah, to ever yeah. sure. play the game, right? I mean, a guy that can really stretch the field, but he's strong and he's physical and, mm -hmm. and, he, and he does all those kind of things. Um, you know, you'd have to put George Kittle, I mean, as one of the more recent guys. And, you know, the reason why I think people talk about George so much is because he is a real problem on the line of scrimmage in the run game okay. as well as getting into the pass game. And so that is a little bit of a throwback to what tight ends quote-unquote used to be yeah. you know not just wide receiver guys that you know that's fun 
catch the ball and get all the accolades and everything else. Right. But, you know, the best part about my room and, and the guys that are in it is that we like to get grimy. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we don't mind getting in there and blocking guys and being in pass protection and stuff like that. That stuff gets us fired up. Now, we like catching balls, too. Don't get yeah. me wrong. We mm -hmm. like catching touchdowns. Um, but, you know, for these guys to embrace what, what we presented to them has, has been really, really fun to be around. Coach, <laughs> thanks a lot for the time. Best of luck. Thank you, guys. Jake Moreland, tight ends coach for your Houston Texans. That's going to do it for the show tonight. On Wednesday night, it's Nick Casario to kick off the program and a whole bunch of great stuff for you on Texans Radio. Have a great night. Go Texans.